the world also has an uncanny ability to curate everything it presents. Am I really worth it? Or do I really have what it takes to be or do the thing that I want to do? And welcome back to another episode of Starting a Fire, lessons learned from a church planning adventure with Pastor C.B. Barthlow. My name is Josh Bain, and I am your host. As I mentioned before, I am a 38-year-old divorcee, dad of four. I'm an entrepreneur and a committed Christian. I'm actually walking alongside C.B. during his church planning adventure. C.B., why don't you tell us about yourself? Yeah, I am a 39-year-old former disaster, and uh, for some reason today, I am a pastor by the grace of God. There's an old school saying passed down from generations meant to inspire young people to lead and work with strength and dignity, but the problem is it's a big fat lie. Never let them see a sweat is the dumbest thing we've ever told ourselves, and today we're going to change that. That's right. Um, When I was in ninth grade, I was not a big reader. Um, My ninth grade language arts teacher inspired us all to select a book that we would really be able to hold on to for the entire first semester and then write a report on it. And um, as a reader, I was just kind of lazy and I didn't really care about some stuff in terms of really pouring myself into my studies. And so when it came to reading, I was always looking for a, a, a corner to cut. And I ended up picking a book called Jazz by Toni Morrison. And the reason I picked it is because it had a one-word title, and I liked jazz music at the time. (laughs) And I ended up picking it up. We had about three months to read the entire book and then write a full book report. You know, those ninth-grade book reports, right? And I read probably the first chapter and a half, and then I set it down, and then the report was due tomorrow. Oh. It was one of those, right? And um, what's interesting is that the report was a verbal or an oral report. And so what happened is on the day of the report, you were called to the front of the class and interviewed by the teacher and given your account of the book, what it meant, what it was about, some takeaways, what it could be for a young person like ourselves. And um, I stood in front of that room and I winged it. Hmm. I literally winged it. And I remember the first sort of 45 pages of the book and how it started. And so I had character names and some place settings to be able to build a foundation upon. And then what I really did is I pulled from the idea that I think Toni Morrison wrote the book about, which is jazz by its very nature is improvisational. And so I improvised around the concept of these characters improvising their lives. How'd that go? It went over perfectly. Wow. Remarkably, I got an A plus on the uh, on the report and then in the class. And it set the stage for me as a young person to to sort of realize or maybe falsely believe that I didn't have to do all of the diligence or all of the background work. I could probably wing it and get away with it. And the problem is, is that that has never served me well as an adult. That is a one time thing that's happened to me. Tell me if if you've ever done this before. Um, Someone asks you if you've ever read a book. Sure. And you tacitly say, yeah, of course. And you have not. Yeah. And then they ask you for a little more detail on the book, right? Do you remember how they said in chapter nine, what did you think about that? And then you have to wing it. Yeah. Or you have to tuck your tail between your legs and say, you know what? I totally lied to your face just now. Yeah. We never do the latter. Right. The reason that we end up lying in those interesting situations is because we have 
this desire to connect or at the very least to deflect Mm -hmm. the potential that we might not be as smart as learned as cultured as whatever we are with the people around us sure right there's this all all encompassing sort of ever never ending need to 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 measure up to measure up to people around us Mm -hmm. even if we don't care about the people around us and even if we don't really subscribe to the idea of the measure itself i think it's just human nature to feel this need to be for lack of a better word perfect Hmm. in some areas of your life yeah right i mean think about this today right uh we have literally an insurmountable amount of information available to us yeah i always say that in the palm of our hand we have the sum total of the world's knowledge that's right the 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 smartphones that you have right now are smarter than the first supercomputers yeah absolutely and so at any given moment if you're thinking and i know you do this probably sitting on the couch and a commercial comes on and you a question pops in your head and you jump on the internet and you do a little mini research right you have the ability to sort of understand literally anything but parallel to that is the fact that well we can access the world the world also has an uncanny ability to curate everything it presents out, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, just think about social media right now, right? Yeah. The human highlight reel. Yeah. Most all of us are posting our best moments. And as a result, what you and I are seeing amongst our peers and our families, maybe our competitors, or even the folks that we tacitly follow because we want to steal from them, but we'd never so really celebrate them in public, sure, right? Yeah. Each and every one of us is celebrating things. We're posting things. We're sharing things that we think define us in the most positive of lights. Of course. Right? And so then when we're looking at these things, when we're scrolling, when we're reading, when we're doing whatever it is to access this knowledge, one of the things that we're doing is we're looking at people's very best Mm -hmm. and then looking internally at our everything. Yeah. Right? Right. You're seeing like, I don't wake up at five in the morning, but there's this business guru that I follow and he says, the best time of the day is between 4 a.m. and 5 a.m. And you think to yourself, well, I'm never going to make it. Right. Right. Because I'm not a 4 a.m. kind of a guy. Yeah, I can't, I can't measure up to that. Right. Now, what we don't understand is the people that sort of share some of those concepts or the people that uh, ascribe those ideas onto the rest of us have struggled through that. And, mm-hmm. and if we're all being honest, like if I quietly look around the room right now, many of them don't even subscribe to those ideas themselves. Sure. Right? Yeah. But those are ideals that we share. Right. And what happens is that never-ending stream of perceived perfection causes us to begin to ask ourselves, am I really worth it? Or do I really have what it takes to be or do the thing that I want to do? So, I mean, a lot of this is speaking to self-worth. Totally. A hundred percent. And I think here's the real problem is that if you're listening today and maybe you start a business or you're, you're going to start a business, you're thinking about going back to school, you're, you're on the sort of edge of the precipice of I'm about to make a big decision, maybe a life decision, maybe something that could shape the course of my destiny. One of the things that you do if you're smart is do some research around what's next. Who's done that before? What can I expect? And whenever you do that, what you're often not finding is here's all the ways that you're likely to fail. Hmm. It's here are the best practices. Here are the best methods. And here's some anecdotal stories of people who've just plain killed it. And so you start with this research, this base of knowledge from a perceived perfect place. Sure. Right? Sure. Well, in, in addition, maybe we also see... Um, like we think about, you know, on the business side, we think of people like Gary V and we think about, you know, the Tony Robbins and those guys where the, 
those people are the small majority, mm-hmm. right? There's still tons of people out there who have found amazing success without waking up between four and five. Mm-hmm. We, we, still pe- we still see people who kill it without having to line up to these ideals, without having to line up to these anecdotal prescriptions, right, to success. They're still making it, even though they may wake up at 10, you That's know? right. But guess what? They're wa- they're working until one a.m. or two a.m. Right, and so they're they're working when they're they're doing it best. But 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 then to reach out and then say, well, Gary Vee's kind of full of it, right? Isn't necessarily the best thing either because then you have all these followers of Gary Vee who are like, no, 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 Gary Vee, he's the man. He's got it. You know, he's got all put together. Right. Mm-hmm. So what am I supposed to do with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, there is there is no shortage of hustle porn on the internet. Sure. Right? That yeah. that like let me find the most motivating, self inspiring, but really punch me in my teeth sort of concepts. And yeah. I think there's great merit for that. But I think we fall into a trap in any area of our life where we're always looking for advice from the people who have really unrealistic expectations of themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. When we're using an archetype as the best battle plan for us, mm. right? That never really works. I think there's best practices that can be pulled from everywhere. Sure. But the problem is, is that we live in a culture where we constantly and perhaps only see victory after victory after victory. And you and I, if we look at that, we think, I don't see victory like that in my own life. Sure. Like I don't, I don't wake up winning and living my best life. Right. I'm not always drinking tiger's blood. Right. right? Like I have good mornings and I have rough afternoons. Yeah. And some days are a wash and I know that by 10 Mm a.m. Right. And what happens is when you're a real human living a real life with a real struggle or really trying to do a big thing and not knowing how you do it, which means you're kind of doggy paddling in the short end for a little while. You see constant victory and there's this disconnect between you and what you see. And you feel way less, way less, way farther down the totem pole. Sure. Right. You feel even more of a loser than you probably really are. Totally insignificant. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I hear people all the time say like, I was way behind the eight ball on that. Yeah. And I, I always think to myself like, I didn't even know there was an eight ball on a few things. Sure. Right? Sometimes there's great bliss in being ignorant. Yeah. Right. You see people who blaze a new trail and you ask them sometimes, uh, how did you do that? You know, I don't, I just did it. Yeah. Right. And I think there's great merit in sort of like just swing for the fences. And then later you can come back and realize like Ken Griffey has the best swing and then you can make some modifications. Sure. I, I remember my first business that I ever started, um, my first viable business, I should say, that I ever started. My boss said, hey, Josh, do you know anybody who uh, cleans? We need somebody who can clean for us. And I was like, um, well, I know somebody who can take care of it. Why don't, why don't I take care of it? And he's like, can you do that? I was like, well, sure. And I realized that. And in the moment, I realized, well, I've got everything I need in my broom closet, really. Right? I've got my broom and a mop and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a vacuum. And I got pretty much everything I need there. So, so yeah, yeah, I can take care of that. And then I totally winged it for a year, right? Not realizing that I was sitting on a bit of a gold mine, sitting on a bit of some opportunity. But for me, I was just like, let's just go do it. Yeah, no, I think I think that's it. I mean, at the end of the day, sometimes it's like less research yeah. and more development. Sure. Right? Like just get to work. Here's the thing I would close with this concept is yeah. this. Uh, you don't have to be perfect. Mm. In fact, 
let me break the news to you. Mm-hmm. You not you aren't and you never will be, right? right? Sure. So if you follow a fitness account to get exercise ideas, recognize your body may never look like that body. Right. If you follow men's fashion because you want the new tips on what to wear, recognize you may never have those clothes all put together like that. In any area of your life, guess what? You're going to fall down way more mm-hmm. than you get up, way yeah. more than you win, way more than you succeed. But the difference here is getting up, right? trying again. Of course. Right? And what you see online, what you see in the world is people's get up, not their fall down. Sure. Right? Sure. So, so what happens when we take our eyes off of, we really kind of realign our vision, mm-hmm. right? We realign our vision away from the constant victories of others, specifically, uh, and really start living in the moment, being being honest with ourselves and, and those around us. Mm-hmm. Well, let's be honest here, right? Um, you're going to fall down. Sure. And um, and you're probably afraid of that. Like, Terribly, yeah. As I say that right now and somebody's listening and I say like, you're, you're going you're gonna to have some massive failures, some humiliating breaks. Mm-hmm. And they, they may be scooting ahead 15 seconds in this podcast so they don't hear, have to hear this part. Sure. But let me break the curse of failure on you. You don't have to be afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. Failure is awesome. I say this from a personal standpoint. My life is primarily marked by failure. Like I'm a pastor now and we're starting a brand new church and that's awesome. And, and I get the opportunity to lead people, love people. And I, I meet last week, I had three people on three separate occasions say, what's it like to be like you so intense and so passionate. And I remember thinking like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Right. Like that's a great way that I think they're seeing me. Yeah. But if I look back on 39 years, my life is mm, dropout, uh, addiction, failed marriage, bad decisions, right? Yeah. Every corner of my life is like failure, 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 failure. Here's the beauty in that. The more you fail, the less afraid of it you are, Hmm. right? Like it's, it's almost this idea of like, once you get a taste of blood, you're not worried about getting cut again. Right. And I think the truth is, is that most of us are afraid to fail and we're afraid of failure because we're afraid of what it might say to us about us, mm-hmm. right? Or or what others might say about us. I mean, look, let's be honest. You, you've tried a few things. And um, if you failed, you've done your darndest to make sure no one knew. Well, yeah, absolutely. Right. right. You, you sort of uh, control the narrative. Yeah. How, how did that thing go? You know what? I, I made a decision to... Mm-hmm. You, you know how you do yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all do that, right? Yeah. Because what we're afraid of is that people will say either in, in, implicitly or tacitly, well, there's another... Another failure. Well, I remember when I got fired from my first job, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I'll never forget. I, I made a really bad decision. And the next morning my manager came in and said, you know what? That's just not going to work. Right. And I had an interesting relationship with them. And so later I found myself saying things like, well, you know, they just couldn't handle me, you know, in in order to kind of control the narrative, you know, and really kind of make it look not as bad as really what it should have been when I really should have said something along the lines of, you know, I really screwed up. And because of that, I lost my job. Absolutely. Yeah, we do that all the time, right? Yeah. And and when we do that, when we control the narrative, when we start to retell the story from a different vantage point, a vantage point that minimizes the failure and maximizes our position, we never get the chance to have an autopsy on the failure. Hmm. And if I can tell you one thing that's probably more powerful than anything we'll talk about, it is really rubbing your nose in your own mess. Hmm. Like if you've made a mistake, sit in it, feel it. 
Yeah. Right. We, we've just recently, as a part of our church launching effort, uh, started to do these core group meetings where we're bringing a really small group of people. And this is our base of volunteers, right? Sure. Josh, you remember that. Yep. And then we also throw these vision nights, which is where we tell any and everybody to come. Yep. And the job of the core group is to invite people to the vision night. And this last vision night, we didn't have many people. Right. And I kind of like that because it means that our next core group meeting, we can sort of say, what happened? Sure. How did we fail? How many of us didn't bring somebody, right? Yeah. There's great value in feeling the pain of your failure and then dissecting it, right? Anybody who's anybody, mm-hmm. anybody that you talk to who's achieved great success or seen or has great wisdom, right? They will tell you their biggest lessons come from their biggest failures. So, okay, but we're going to sit down in our next core group meeting, mm-hmm. right? And maybe and maybe for, for those who are listening, this might be a board meeting or something along those lines. But for us, we'll call it, we'll call it our core team meeting, right? And you're going to tell, you're going to ask people to wallow a little bit in the failure. What do you do when they're not prepared for that? What do you do when they're not like, they're like, well, wait a minute, you know, how do you coach to get beyond that? Great question. So what we do is when we talk about our failures, we start back from the beginning. What was the goal, Mm -hmm. right? What are we shooting for? Okay. Did we hit it? No. Okay. By how much did we miss? Right. Mm -hmm. And then if we missed by a certain amount, let's start to look at the mechanisms that we missed to miss that. Right. It's all a step by step process. If you've had a strategy to see a great return on your investment and you didn't see that return, you're going to look back at, okay, did I not invest the right amount? Did I did I get out too early? Did I not know enough? Mm -hmm. Right. It's about asking yourself the hard questions. And I think for all of us, that is the beauty in failure. Here's the deal. You get to ask yourself hard questions. No one else really will ask you hard questions, right? Yeah. Like most people, they they either don't care whether you fail or not, or um, they're quietly uh, trying to hope that you do good or just leave them alone, right? right? So at the end of the day, the only person who's really responsible for your victory or your failure is you. And so you can do this thing where you just gloss over every failure, Mm -hmm. right? Or you can do this thing where you sit in it and you realize, okay, that wasn't a loss. That was a lesson. Mm -hmm. And here's the nine thing, three, one thing that I can tweak, that I can push the needle on so that next time I'm a little bit better in the process. Do do you have any, um, like actionable items on that? Like, okay, you're sitting in it, right? And you're like, okay, I've, I've messed this up and I didn't do very good here and I didn't do very good there, you know, but okay. So we recognize that. Um, then what do we then do with those little items? Mm -hmm. Well, here's the deal. This is where you get to an understanding of what your conviction really is, right? Um, The beautiful thing about failure is it shows you whether or not you care about this, really care about this, right? So let's say you have um, tried to generate a certain dollar amount in revenue this month and you didn't hit it, Mm -hmm. right? You're going to sit down and ask yourself all these hard questions. And then what you need to do is answer those questions. This is what needs to be done. And sometimes those things are a little bit harder than you anticipated. Maybe it's more than you thought you needed to do. And that's when you really get to understand like, do I really want this? Right. Do I really, is this the business I really want? Because it turns out that in order for this business to succeed, I don't get to Netflix and chill four nights a week. Right. Is that who I am? Hmm. And that's, that's the beauty of failure because if, Failure like that, when you ask hard questions and start to really evaluate your conviction, it also gives you a greater picture of who 
you are. Yeah, it's illuminating. Absolutely. That's why as a guy like myself, like I get to be a leader today, but you'll hear me, you hear me time and time again. I talk a lot about my failure because my failure is when I was sort of created. That's when I discovered who I was, mm-hmm. right? And I share my failure because what it does is it shows that I've not only embraced them, I'm not afraid of them. And if I give you an indicator like, hey, I've been through that, that's not an insurmountable odd. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a deal breaker. Yeah. You can do nearly everything wrong. But if you keep going forward, there's a good shot you'll get it right eventually. And that's a level playing field. That, I think, is what separates people who struggle with people who lead out of struggle. Because if you're the kind of person who's authentic about your failure and you don't mind telling people about it, right, then other people are like, huh, all right, maybe I should yoke myself to this person. Maybe I should connect myself. Maybe I should listen more. Maybe, maybe I might be able to steal some of their lessons so I don't have to make that failure either. Absolutely. So... I mean, this is hard. Totally. I mean, I, I, you know, for those of you listening, you, you may think that, you know, me and CB like are experts on, on the things that we're talking about. And I can say for myself, I'm surely not. We, we don't like plan these out and then, and then I go to like school, right. Mm-hmm. And teach myself these, these, these principles, you know, um, that's not the way it works for us, you know, and, and, and once again, it, it's, it's one of our our values for starting a fire that will be authentic. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to be authentic, I'm going to tell you that this is hard for me. And I know that there's going to be consequences for being transparent. Yeah. Right. I'm going to tell you that there's a lot of people that are in my life that I'm yoked to, that are yoked to me, that are listening today, that this is hard. And it's, it's, they may not be in that season where they're like, you know, and not that you necessarily have it all the way, you know, down yourself, but you know, that aren't going to have it maybe as easy as you to say, I'm just going to tell them that I screwed this up, you yeah. know? So, so how do we cautiously move into that flow? Cause I'm not going to just jump head first. Yeah. Right. So like, like, what do you do if you're, you're kind of like not in the headspace to really sort of tell everybody like, yeah, I'm, I'm really floundering, right? but I'm giving it a shot. Right. Let, let me give you a hard truth. If you subscribe to the idea of never let them see you sweat, if you really believe like you've got to have a front stage character that people see that's got it all together, mm-hmm. right? And, and then quietly in the background, you can be tinkering. You can be Oz, the Wizard of Oz in the back and just trying to figure it out and frantic. If you think that's the way you're going to live, number one, you're living a lie. Hmm. Like you're lying to yourself and you are living in that lie. And number two, you'll die in that lie because you can't live like that forever. Sure. You're doing double duty right? Not only are you busting your hump at this thing you're trying to do, failing, getting your feelings hurt, making a thousand mistakes, but on top of that, you're crafting a persona. And it's like you're your own branding agency, right? You've literally employed yourself to do a thing that's totally unnecessary, right? And at the end of the day, both of those things will do, they'll kill you, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to be done. You're going to quit this thing. I guarantee you're going to quit this thing long before private you and public you line up. Interesting. Okay. Right? Yeah. And that lying that you do to yourself, it's corrosive. Like eventually you'll, you'll, you'll buy into that concept. And I see this all the time. People with like dual identities, yeah, right? Like, oh man, you, you don't want to get on my bad side. Really? Like, why don't you just have a you side? Right. Right. I, I post this all the time on social media because I think it's important for people to understand there's not two yous, right? Mm-hmm. There's not the you in public and the you in private. Like if you're mean on social media, you're mean. Right. 
right? Yeah. yeah. There's not two use. And so the earlier, the better, the more clear you can line up all parts of you and be authentic to you, mm-hmm. the better your life will be. I don't know. I don't know why I'm going to ask this, but, um, cause this isn't exactly really our topic. Um, but as far as like who we are starting a fire, but I think maybe just somebody needs to hear this. How do we then handle the social media stuff? Right. When, I mean, you're about ready to start a church and a church that's very different from what we've kind of grown up in. Mm. Right. You're going to have people on social media who are kicking, kicking you in the teeth, right. Punching your throat because things are now different. How are you personally going to handle this different thing on social media? Because now the meanness of people is going to come out. Yeah. Right. And they're going to be kind of a little more transparent maybe and and be a little more critical how, how do people young people older people business people handle the criticism of social media yeah i i think it's a universal concept not just social media but it's this people who are mean people mm-hmm. who are aggressive people who fight they fight because they're scared they're insecure insecure or they're wounded right when you recognize that people attack as a defense mechanism, mm-hmm. then you you get a little bit more to the heart of the manner, right? I get people all the time who just out of random places throw this crazy dart and it's meant to hurt my feelings, right? And I recognize, A, I either don't know that person mm-hmm. or B, I vaguely know them, right? And we haven't had a conversation in years, so that's like the most random thing, right? Sure. What that means is that person is dealing with something, mm-hmm. like really struggling, Right. And so when I post or I have a conversation or I'm of a public setting and I'm saying like Jesus loves you or you should join us for prayer meeting. Right. And someone randomly, whether in real life or on social media, throws one of those mean spirited darts. I recognize the very concept of who I am scares them. The very concept of the God I serve scares them. The very concepts that I'm sharing is rubbing them the wrong way. And that's got to be a pretty hard place to live in. Hmm. So what it does for me, and this has been a long-term growth process for me, yeah. it, it actually creates a great deal of compassion for me. Um, I feel for that person because I've been that person. I've been that person when I got divorced and I felt wounded and I was mean to people, mm-hmm. right? I've been that person when I wasn't sure if I was ever going to be loved again, so I was bitter, right? I've been that person when I've built a wall. I've been there when my first response is anger. And when, when you know what that feels like, uh, it's a little bit easier to sort of respond to that. I never argue with people. Uh, I will often joke with people or I'll just tacitly just like, Hey, we're going to pray for you. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. And, uh, at the end of the day, that's about the very best that you can do. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Forgive me for going a little, little off course there, but I, I just, I mean, the, the way I look at it is that this is really all about transparency, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, where you've where you've came from and where you are now has been a lot to do with just being authentic and being and and learning from those failures. I mean, I've been the guy that's like went in on social media, you know, and been like, okay, we're just gonna argue this thing out, and <laughs> you know, and it, and it obviously goes nowhere, you know. Me, you know, pontificating from my you know from my armchair, you know, it obviously goes nowhere. Um, but then I find myself like later, and I'm glad that I at least find myself doing this later. Later, I kind of look back and I'm like, why did I do that? And then I find like, well, maybe I was having a bad day, or maybe they struck a chord with me, or maybe I do know this person and I know that the way 
that they're talking on social media really, I mean, what I might say it really isn't them, but heck, maybe I just learned something new about a person that, and that surprised me. And that surprise then turned me into this little instigator, right? I just heard somebody say, um, you can't inspire those that you instigate. Mm. And, um, I find that here at starting a fire, that that's really what we're trying to do here right? is really inspire people to do, to do better work. Right. And, and do it through being authentic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and that's really what we're talking about at the end of the day. It's, it's, it's about being the best you possible and being the best you to you. Right. Yeah. Um, let me tell you this, like you're only good at being you. Sure. Right. Um, many of us try to approximate what we see in others, right? Uh, we see character virtues, we see business ethics, we see motivational skills, and we, we try to incorporate all those. And I think to a certain extent, pulling from the wisdom of the, the village is a great idea. But when that wisdom is you trying to craft a version of you that's not really inherently you, mm -hmm. you'll fail, yeah. right? Because you only are you. And in the church world, we, we say, God only blesses you, right? Mm -hmm. Like the anointing only falls on authenticity. At the end of the day, it, it is exactly exhausting to try to pretend that you're not you. And just like in social media or any conversation, like if you've ever done it where old you used to spout off and get into an argument and new you, new you who knows you, mm -hmm. new you who's like, I don't got it all together, but I kind of like me, will maybe bite your tongue. Or, or you might write the first four or five words and then backspace. I yeah. don't know if you've ever done oh, that, right? Times. Like, I'm about to put these people... No, nah, I don't need that in my right. life, right? right? That's real growth. That's you really discovering like... That's not me. Or that's not a part of me I care to dive into right yeah. now, right? Um, and that's one of the things that failure does for us as well. Failure helps us understand like what I really care about, what my mission is really about. And then once you're there, once you're in that place where you're like, this is, this is who I am. And it's not perfect, but I'm starting to like it, yeah. right? You, you get to relieve yourself of feeling and living or pretending that things are a different way than they really are. Right. And that I think is, is perhaps one of the most powerful things that you can go through right now. Like I, I hear it, I, I hear it all the time. Um, people, you know, like I just had a conversation with two guys. This is kind of off topic. I just had a conversation with two guys doing something similar. And, um, and the three of us were talking about where we were, like, uh, how did things go? We're talking about sort of uh, our most recent efforts in our in our big projects that we're undertaking. And each one of us was very careful with our words to give just enough information to indicate that we were willing to be transparent, but literally no information. Sure. And I remember thinking, what is, this is a wasteful conversation. Right. Well, why would I, why am I even doing this? Right. They're genuinely asking me and I'm genuinely not answering. Right. And that really is this whole mindset uh, of never let them see you sweat. Or like, just fake it till you make it. Yeah. Right. Fake it till you like. Don't fake anything. Yeah. Right. Fall down. The beauty of it of the whole thing is this: if if you are the kind of person who falls down and says, "I fell down and it hurt," can anybody help me? You'll be shocked at how many people will say, "Oh my gosh, I've done that a million times." Come here. Yeah. But what we do is we fall down and people say, Are "You okay? Mm -hmm. I'm fine. I got this." Mm -hmm. And you don't have any help. And so the next time you fall down, you're like, gosh, maybe I'm the kind of person who always falls down. Maybe I'm a, a failure. Maybe that's just who I am. And yeah. the truth is, is that your pride is the thing that's holding you back from really making any successful change. Yeah. If that makes sense. Of course. Um, and, and here's maybe the real, the final curse of, of this concept of living 
this lie of pretending to be somebody you're not is if you fake it, if you never let them see you sweat, even when you win, you'll be in the need of embellishing it, right? Like if you've already told people you're winning, when you win in actuality, you don't get to celebrate it. Wow. Because everybody always thought you were already doing that. Right. Right. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It's definitely happened to me. But you've totally lied your way through victory. And then when you do it and you're by yourself and you throw your hands up and you're like, ah, ah, oh my gosh, I can't tell anybody this. And then suddenly your wins don't matter. And so you fake those wins. You have to embellish. You have to continue living a lie. That's what lying does. It never gets smaller. It always gets bigger. And if your life is a lie because you don't want people to see you sweat, you never actually win. Ever. The Bible says um, in John 1, 1 John 1, 6, it says, if we say we have fellowship with him, that's Jesus, while we walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. And, and, and John goes on in verse 1, 8, and he says, if we say we have no sin, we decide ourselves and the truth is not in us. It's like this. If you say you're something you're not, right? You'll never actually be that thing because when you become that thing, everybody will assume you're already way past it. Mm-hmm. And that's a horrible place to live in because it means not only are you keeping up with the Joneses, you're the Joneses and you'll never meet you again. We all know someone we look up to that has it all together. They constantly win. They constantly are showing you just how good they are. Their social media posts are full of $100,000 cars, and then they show you all these amazing vacations that they go on. They show you all the flash and they show you all the glitter, but what they fail to show you, it's the heartache, the sweat, the pain, the marriage that was destroyed because of a need for success. They don't show you the bankruptcy because the first three ventures failed miserably. They don't show you the sleepless nights or the anxiety, and they surely don't show you the depression. You think you know them, but all you really know is the character they play on stage. We as a culture have begun to think of failure as final. We have begun to celebrate only success while we ignore the lessons. I'm sure you have lessons in your life that if you didn't hide them away in the closet, both you and those who look up to you would find them infinitely valuable. It's not a loss. It's a lesson. Only you have the ability to keep yourself accountable to authenticity. Let people see you sweat. Let people help. Let people into the backstages of your life so that when you win, we all get to celebrate. Our next episode is called The Power of Priorities. It's a look at what's important to you and how to make sure you keep it at the forefront of your strategy. I hope you'll join us.